I learned that I couldn't just do what I wanted to do when I got to college. And I was like, I'm probably more talented than every talented than everybody out here. So when the ball is snapped, I'm gonna just take off and run. You know what I yeah. did? Ran right into the back of an offensive line, and I was like, Oh, this ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. I need a new strategy. <laughs> this podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow, overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Welcome back to Beyond the X's and O's, and today we have an incredible conversation with a kid that I looked up to, believe it or not, I was, I was much older than him, um, but watching Michael Vick play in the NFL was mind-blowing to me, and he did all the things I wish I could do, uh, and over the years, getting to hear what a great person he is, this was an exciting Exciting conversation for me because I got to know him better. He's another one of these players that our paths didn't really cross. Um, so I use this conversation opportunity to get to know him a little bit better. And, uh, we start in his high school uh, period of time in his life, and it was really interesting. A lot of kids talk about going through adversity. Michael's high school shut down after his sophomore year. He was already, already the established starter. He's already becoming somewhat of a local legend as a player. And now his school shuts down, and he's got to go join another high school. Talks about that adversity and what was that was like for him and his teammates that came from uh, Ferguson High School to his new high school. Um, tells this incredible story about his high school time where he was playing great, but he self-admitted as being a knucklehead. And his GPA was too low to be recruited. He was at a 1-9. And the influence of his high school football coach and the tactics his high school football coach used, him, uh, used on him to motivate him uh, to take care of business in the classroom and uh, really um, defining moment in Michael's life. We talk about how he gets to Virginia Tech, his incredible redshirt freshman year there where they end up playing in the national championship game. He ends up going to the Heisman uh, Trophy finalists. Um, but he also reflects back on the values uh, and the lessons learned when he was redshirted uh, his first year at Virginia Tech and how much that carried over. And then this pivotal moment and every athletic quarterback needs to listen to this where he goes off on why he became good why he became the michael vick to play in the nfl for so long and in the midst of that he never talks about running the football and being a great athlete and over athleting people he talks about the academic part of the growth uh, the leadership development the weight room training the lonely work uh, all the stuff that have kind of been themes uh to this show and we get into the NFL, and now he's getting to play the position that he grew up watching guys he admired, like Steve Young, his childhood hero play. Um, what he learned in the NFL, the big his big takeaway. And a really neat moment in this conversation, and not many of you will know this name, but Greg Knapp. Greg Knapp is a quarterback coach, was for years in the NFL, had a lot of influence on a lot of great players. He recently passed, and Michael gives Greg – we call him Napper, Napper the credit for really introducing the zone read to the NFL. And then we have this really juicy conversation. It's really the only time I talk in this interview where I want to make a point for everybody listening. 
that they understand that if Michael Vick got to play in today's football, where quarterback-driven runs are uh, maximized, where the system uh, is open to the athletic quarterback, um, he would be a Hall of Famer. He'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he'd be putting up numbers that you wouldn't believe. For those of you that love Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, I can go on and on and on. Michael Vick was all these guys before they were here. So uh, this is a great conversation. I'm excited for you to get to hear it. And we'll get started right now with Michael Vick. I'm especially excited about today's guest, uh, Michael Vick. His quarterback journey is amazing. He really pioneered the position for so many. But I'm excited because Michael was coming in as I was getting out of the league. And I got to watch him play in awe. And we never really got to know each other very well. So I'm using today as a chance to get to know Michael a little bit better. And uh, appreciate his story. So, Michael, thanks for joining us. Hey, Trent, thanks for having me. Like you say, man, it's, uh, you know, I was coming in. You was on your way out after a big Super Bowl win. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Never got a chance to congratulate you personally. So, Thank you. Yes, that was an amazing honor and opportunity, man. And uh, you guys had a great team assembled. And heard a lot of good things about you, and I'm excited about this. Oh, thank you. That was that was a lot of hair ago for me. And uh, <laughs> you made me feel real quick when you jumped in the league and started lighting it up. I want to start with your with your high school journey. Uh, growing yeah. up in Virginia, uh, high school football is a big deal there. Uh, tell me a little bit about your high school, what Friday Night Lights was like, your first start. Uh, just all the stuff that went into that high school quarterback journey. Yeah, Trent. Well, I wasn't highly recruited. I'll say that. I think I was ranked maybe number 11 in the nation coming out. And I felt like talent-wise, you know, you're always measuring yourself up against, you know, the guys around you, opposition. Uh, I had Ronald Curry in my same district who was like Mr. Everything, football and basketball. He was always my measuring stick. And, you know, it, it was a point in time where I just felt like I didn't get enough credit. And I, I was putting in the hard work, but I wasn't as talented as Rono. And I think it was Drew Henson in that class. And, you know, I ended up at number 11. So every year, you know, you see these guys getting all these accolades. And, you know, so I'm, I'm just always chasing them. So I, I, I say all that in fairness to say I was the underdog, I felt like. And it just made me just grind. So uh, I started as a freshman. Uh, was seven games in, played at junior varsity, seven and oh, coach snatched me up my freshman year, um, had some success, three games. And then, you know, my career kind of took off, but was wearing number 11 my first two years. We swapped, we switched schools and then we went to a uh, different high school, my junior and senior year, a different story for another day. Maybe I can get into it uh, in terms of how I started wearing number seven. And, you know, high school was just amazing, man. The best times of your life, I tell you that. What was a Friday night like in Virginia football? I've heard of these massive crowds. Was it the biggest thing in town? Did scores shut down, that whole deal? Well, you got to be playing against one of the Hampton schools. So I'm on the Newport News side, which had their own district, five teams. And then we played against the Hampton school. So if you was playing against Hampton High School, Phoebus High School, you get a packed house. You get everybody from all neighborhoods, surrounding areas, from you know, the poorest neighborhoods to the suburbs all come together on a Friday night, sometimes a Saturday night, and watch us get it in. And it, some of my most memorable moments, my best game came when we had a crowd of about 8,000 my senior year versus Hampton High School. 
And I lit it up that day, Trent. Well, I'm talking. Tell me more about it. This, this podcast is all about stories. Tell me about lighting it up. So, yeah, let, so, me feel, yes. let me feel that game. Uh, all right, got you. So, one, vividly remember my high school coach coming to me before the game. And I think he just made this up. But whatever it takes to get your player going, you know, that's between us coaches and how we motivate, you know, well, you coaches and how they motivated players. And he comes to me and he says, Virginia Tech, called down and said they'll be watching you tonight and you know they excited about the opportunity to get to talk to you and you know he was kind of just like giving me the whole spin on like really coach right before the game you're gonna do this and add this pressure and a sense of calmness came over me I felt like that's what I always wanted in my life uh a, a team to say we're committed a college team to commit to me and say we want you not him we want you and so from the start of the game, I was on, Trent. I mean, I might have finished up 20 for 30, maybe 225 yards and, and, and the TD, no picks, no fumbles. Uh, we lost the game. Um, Ronald Curry, he, he did his thing. He probably had about 250 rushing, but he probably had a hundred, he probably had 250 passing, about a hundred yards rushing. And they were the better team personnel wise. They was better than us, but man, 8,000. I showed out. I might have had 50 yards rushing, but I showed the world that day or showed Virginia Tech at least that they can build a future around me. I love it. Now, you, you hinted at it earlier, and again, tell your stories, man. We got all the time in the world. Why did you switch to number seven? Well, my freshman and sophomore year, I was wearing number 11. And then our high school shut down. So it was Ferguson High School. Oh, wow. And then they, they closed up. So we merged with Warwick High School, which was in our same district. And we just kind of like went to their school and just had to fit in. You know, we had to battle for positions. And, you know, obviously I was the better quarterback of the guy they had, respectively, uh, Jason Johnson. And uh, he went to tight end. And But they didn't have the number 11, which I started out with. So I was like, you know what? They don't have 11. I'll take the next best thing. Just subtract one, one, and I'm going to win number one. So, it's, you know, it's a lot of pressure when you were number one. You got to live up to that number one hype uh, that, that you just kind of, you know, self-inflicted, you know, and I'm like, okay, I got this. Trent, I cannot complete a pass in practice. I cannot make a read. I cannot pull the football down and run. I was running into offensive linemen, uh, and, and, I, and something just didn't feel right. So that whole camp my junior year, just I'm wearing number one. Ronald Curry's wearing number one. Everybody's like, Mike's in number one, Ronald's in number one, and this is going to be an amazing matchup when they meet up. But in practice, I'm like, I'm not ready. That's after two years of having success. Sophomore year was great. Freshman year was subpar. And one day we're in practice after about three weeks, and my my receiver, Andre Harrison, he's wearing number seven. I'm wearing number one. And I'm just like looking up in the sky. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get this right? Coaches all down, just rad me every day. I looked at him and I said, you want to switch numbers? <laughs> he said, yeah, you, you don't want to wear number one? No. I said, no, I don't want to wear number one anymore. I didn't give him a dissertation behind it. I just was like, let's swap. Boom. We swapped jerseys, Trent. And when I say I went from being like having no knowledge of the game of football, having no feel for the game, no emotional attachments of football to I turned into some something that was that 
okay, that whole uh, dual threat aura or that era for me started. I became elusive. I looked like Ronald. The things that I was doing in the backyard growing up versus friends and I was able to do it on the field. And and every time I looked at my number, I was so proud that I made that change that day. And I was, this is it. This is it. This is my number for the rest of my life. And man, I, you know, it's a, it was a great moment in my life because I know that number changed the way I played the game. And I became, I guess, the most, one of the most electric, you know, electrifying quarterbacks to ever play the game. And that was special. That's incredible. It's almost like number seven became your Superman cape. Yes, it, it did in so many ways. And even still, when I see it to this day, I still think about that day where I made that swap. And I don't tell a lot of people about that story because I, to me, it, you know, it's, it's certain platforms where it may hold some, some value in terms of telling it because it's a long story. Yeah. But thanks for giving me the platform to tell that story because, you know, maybe uh, somebody else might be out there playing with number 23 and, when he throw that 24 on that corner, he might feel like Charles Woodson or somebody. I know I felt like Elway. I, that's <laughs> incredible. How it never can make you feel like dude in one minute and then Superman the next. Hey, Swag is everything. A lot of kids talk about going through adversity in high school, and that might be a girl breaking up with them, or they had to climb from number two to number one in the depth chart or whatever it is. They really don't know real adversity. And you just talked about it. And I want you to drill a little bit deeper into your school got shut down. Now think about that. If you're a young person, you're a freshman or sophomore, you're dominating varsity as a sophomore, you got nothing but great things ahead of you. And then your the school board says, hey, by the way, we're not going to have the high school anymore. You're going to have to go merge with the team across the street, which you probably don't like very much. You probably don't like yeah. some of the dudes over there. You probably don't like that coach because you grew up not liking them. And all of a sudden, you got to go be part of that team and earn a spot. Now, for you, it probably wasn't that hard being the freak athlete that you were, but some of your teammates that had to go with you, like that must have yeah. been a really difficult time. Yeah, one, I think the biggest um, advantage that we had was our, our high school coach went to that school and he was, they opened up a new school and he was supposed to get that job and last minute he didn't get the job. They designated him to Warwick and we was just like, oh. and my older sister she went to the new high school. So we went to different high schools. Um, my senior, her senior year, my junior year. And it was like, we always wanted to go to school together and be in school together. So, you know, that was kind of like a train wreck. And, you know, it, it was adversity in its purest form because now we're merging with a school where these guys was our rivals. And, you know, we used to compare ourselves to them. And it, 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 it was just uncomfortable when we got there. And I struggled in a lot of areas. I struggled in the classroom. Um, I struggled off the field. Uh, I struggled on the field in the beginning. And I, I just wasn't used to their culture. We created a culture at Ferguson. Aaron Brooks was the quarterback before me. I wanted to follow his footsteps. He's the reason I wore number 11. And I just hated the way we had to go over there. You know, so abruptly. You can find out on a Thursday and next next Monday, you're over there working out with a bunch of dudes that you don't know. and it was very challenging. So I just had to stay focused and keep my head down and, and keep and keep pounding away. 
you know, the scholarship was most important. Is there a happy ending to some of that relational stuff? I know the scholarship was, you know, yeah. having a great high school career, but did, were some of those kids that were early on enemies with some of that uncomfortableness that you faced early on, did that yeah. become comfort or was it tenuous the entire time? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what the game of football does for people in general. Uh, it bridged the gap. Yep. And we created that brotherhood. And, you know, from the time we had that first practice where we, coach made us run two laps to get to get going, to get warmed up. He used to make us run lines, like every line of the field, 5, 10, 15, and doing that together and practicing against, against one another and then having a scrimmage. And now it's like, you know, we, we all are one. You know, we kind of took on that pack and – you know, they, those guys became my brothers. Unfortunately, it became a situation where the guys that I hung around didn't like certain teammates that I had. We was able to bridge that gap, bring those relationships and friendships closer, get tighter now. We, guys had some riffs. One of my good friends got in a fight with one of my teammates. I stayed out of it. I stayed neutral. Obviously, my teammate, the linebacker, the bigger man, got the best of my boy. I did <laughs> real talk. You got the best of my boy. I had to, you know, hey, man, you know, y'all handle those problems. These, the, all of y'all, my brothers, you know, whether you play ball or not, if I got respect for you, love for you, we all in this together, man. And and that's that's what football creates, man. It creates, you know, Trent, it creates a brotherhood that's unbreakable yep. for, for a lifetime. Now, you you mentioned Ronald Curry a bunch. He was obviously uh, a superstar in high school. You mentioned Aaron Brooks went to Ferguson before it shut down, before you went there. Any other quarterbacks yep. you looked up to, like when you were when you were a school kid or I would just say playing in the parks, in the backyard, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, before yeah. you were the dude, were there guys you were looking at, like, I want to play like that guy? You mentioned when you put on seven, you felt like Elway. Uh, who were the guys yeah. you kind of molded your game after? Oh, man. Well, starting with the pros, it was Steve Young. Uh, I love the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> Steve was elusive. He was lefty. And, and I loved Joe Montana before him. I, I hated when Steve replaced Joe, but the first time I seen Joe drop back with that left hand stroke, I was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> um, in, in, in college, you know, I like, I like Charlie Ward. You know, I was a big fan of Charlie. You know, I like Tommy Frazier. I just felt like he didn't throw the ball enough. You know, being a young kid and one and having aspirations of playing in the pros, you kind of size up everything within the quarterback position. You got to be able to throw it downfield, short, intermediate, long. He wasn't throwing it enough, so I respect this run game. So I took a little bit of what what Tommy Fraser did in the run game, and you know, it was a. I mean, uh, Joe Jermaine was a was a. I don't know if you <laughs> know him from. I know Joe very so, well. That's awesome. Yeah, Joe Jermaine was my boy. Me and Peter Straker was just talking about him the other day. I just like Danny Cannell. Yep. Danny Cannell was sweet, and, and Danny Werfel. Yep. I mean, I, I. You know, like I studied the quarterback position as a kid, and I was the only thing Trent that was discouraging was that I didn't grow past six feet, and I was like, man, is this gonna be the issue? But then I looked at Steve not being six feet and, you know, so I was like, I got a shot there. And, and so those are the guys that I, you know, high school, college, and I mean, well, pros in college and in high school, as crazy as this may sound, I was a big fan of Ronald Curry. Yeah. Obviously, Aaron Brooks, because he was a pure passer, but Ronald was just what he did so gracefully, the way he moved, he returned punts, he returned kicks. He was an accurate quarterback. He poured it down and ran it when he needed to. And I'm like, every year, whether I was working out with weighted vests or putting on ankle weights in the park at night at 12 o'clock, 
I'm thinking about how can I be like Ronald Curry at this period of my life in high school. So it, it was special moments, man. And I, I'll never forget this help me accomplish that dream of making it one day, you know? It's important. It's really important to have those guys you're looking up to and mold your game after and kind of you idolize at that age, right? There's nothing wrong with idolizing yeah. another dude that, right. that's a year older than you. Now, did you get a chance to watch Allen Iverson ever play quarterback? I've heard some legendary stories. Yeah, I was, I was four years younger, so I never got a chance. And then he had the altercation where he ended up going away for a year or two. So I never got to catch him. I always heard about it too, but one day we found some film in our high school coach uh, office and it was a Bethel versus Ferguson, like 1992, October. And we popped it in and I only got to see one game. But the things he did in that one game, I was like, this dude got game. Like, I didn't know he could throw the football. I didn't know he could run it the way he did. And he was one, he was a true dual threat. Like, he, he, he was doing everything. He was doing everything. I'll tell you a great story. I'll interject here for a sec. Do you know the name Clyde Christensen? Clyde Christensen, yeah. Yep. So Clyde was my quarterback coach in Tampa. He's now Tom Brady. He's coached Peyton yep. Manning, coached a lot of great yep. quarterbacks. We were talking about you one day. You had just rolled into the league, and we are watching you, and we couldn't believe the things you were doing. And he goes, you know what, Trent, the only other person I've ever seen do this was I was I recruited Allen Iverson when he played quarterback before he decided, before the altercation, before he decided to play basketball. Right. And he said Allen Iverson's single best high school quarterback he had ever seen. And he, I mean, he had been recruiting forever. He'd done the college thing. Uh, obviously, he was coaching the NFL at the time. Uh, yeah. And that's the reason I asked you that question about Allen Iverson, because I vividly remember Clyde saying, watching Michael Vick is like going back in a time capsule and watching Allen Iverson when I was recruiting him. So it's a compliment to you. I guess he was Thanks. ridiculous. We're going to go to our first break. When we get back, I want to talk to Michael about his recruiting process, what got him to Virginia Tech, and then his legendary career at Virginia Tech. We'll be right back. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code DIMES at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. The world is starting to open and the performance package 4.0 for Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, boy do I need that, crop reviver toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs and the shed travel bag the performance package 4.0 from manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like tom brady in the fourth quarter the brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, or sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. 
This package also comes with the Weed Whacker. This elite nose and ear hair trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This trimmer also has a proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIMES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DIMES. This podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. All right, we're back with Michael Vick, and you got to hear about his incredible high school career. Now, Michael, a lot of people watching the show, listening to the show, are going through recruiting. They might be a young kid that just started. They might be in the heat of it. They might have just gone through it. Uh, talk to me yep. a little bit about your recruiting experience. You talked to me about one night when Virginia Tech was there. What yeah. what eventually landed you at Virginia Tech? Well, just throughout the high school process and playing the high school ball, you, it, it, the infatuating part was getting letters. Mm -hmm. Like when them letters start rolling in and you're like, man, North Carolina's looking at me and Clemson's looking at me and, you know, Notre Dame, and I'm getting letters from every team across the country. It boils down to who really wants me. And then you go through the process of elimination. And when I went through that process, you know, I was left stand looking at East Carolina, Clemson, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. And predominantly all teams that was on the East Coast, um, the teams like Notre Dame and Florida State, they started to fall off and fall out of the recruiting process as it went on. And, and my coach wanted to be real precise. If you want Michael, it, it comes with uh, certain, you know, circumstances and, and we got to be on the same page about a couple of things. One, um, Michael will come in and he will have to learn your system for a year. You have to redshirt him. No, it's no throwing him, him into the fire. Mentally, he's not ready. Um, so that was established. And, all the coaches, they understood it and, and they respected it. But I was struggling in the classroom. Uh, my junior year, just moving it, merging into a new school, I think I mentioned earlier, I was just kind of tied into culture and what was going on in the school. And, yeah, I'm the quarterback. And, you know, when I step on the field on, on Friday nights, it's, everything is all love. But when I get in that classroom, I'm playing around, I'm paying attention, I'm worried about girls. I'm, I'm the man. <laughs> Grades drop, and now I find myself my end of my junior year, senior year. You know, your junior year, that spring of your junior year is the most important time in the recruiting process. And it coming in, and my GPA is one point nine. Oh wow! For two point like, and so real story. My high school coach Tommy Raymond. I talked to him yesterday. He got my report card, I think, uh, it was the middle of my junior year, like right before Christmas. And it's totally screwed up, man. I was, you know, I, 1.9. You were a knucklehead. Just an easy way of saying it. You yeah, were, I was you a knucklehead. knucklehead. I was being a knucklehead. Okay. 
My coach, who loved me to death, took me under his wing as a freshman at Ferguson. We merged to this school. I came with him. Cut me off. Stopped talking to me. <laughs> he didn't talk to me from <laughs> January until I think the summer of, of that year. And he pretty much told me, I'm not talking to you until you correct this. Yes, you are a great football player. You are a great young man. But you are going to have to focus on school if that's what you really want. Virginia Tech, everybody going to shut that door on you. So, you know, I'm thinking he just he just talking. And then the very next day, we walked the same route to the class. He didn't look at me at all. He beeline right past me. I'm like, hold on. Hold on. This man is for real. Like, Six months, didn't talk to me. It wasn't until he started snooping around with my teachers and found out that I was working hard at it and I was improving my grades because I was more than capable. GPA, grades going up. One day in like May, we was walking. He looked at me and said, Michael, how you doing? That was the best thing that ever happened to me. I thought I lost my father figure, my friend. I thought I lost a man, the only man who I felt like, oh, I could talk to him about anything in life. and. From there, it just took off. Virginia Tech came in. I I went and visited Tech the next year. I went to uh, East Carolina. I went to, to Syracuse, and Donovan was my host. And from that point, you know, I knew Virginia Tech was the team for me. Uh, Frank Beamer came in, spoke to my mom, told her everything that you know he was going to allow me to do or give me an opportunity to do. He trusted in Coach Raymond's process of red shirting me, and he wouldn't pull my shirt at all costs. And I ended up a Hokie, man, and that was uh, it, it, that was an amazing moment too, because I knew that scholarship would give me one step closer to my dream. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing that story. What a great high school coach you amazing. had. Amazing. That was amazing. Oh man, I t- spoke to him yesterday because he's doing some stuff with within the community with the kids and football camps now, and he's retired, so looking for that next lane. Oh, that's amazing. All right, so you roll into Virginia Tech. You know you're going to redshirt. What was that redshirt year like, and specifically the scout team, just being the show team quarterback? What would you learn yeah. from that experience? Yeah, my, my fr- freshman year was a year to remember as well. Uh, i never forget. Uh, just thinking football is extremely hard that first August you know, they're waking you up early. You know, they, they're throwing this huge playbook at you, um, asking you to know, learn protections and, you know, running back checks and, you know, asking you to know, you know, who has this guy in an eight-man front or who's blocking this guy in a in, in in seven-man front and cover twos and cover threes. I'm like, why is football this hard? I actually, <laughs> wanted, I, I actually wanted to leave. I actually thought about leaving. I think every kid does that. I think every kid yes, in training think camp I, thinks about leaving. Yes, like okay, so we all had the same thoughts, and yeah, and the good to know it just wasn't me. And the, the more older I get, the more that, that that's confirmation. I get confirmation from other people. Michael, I was, I'm so old. We had pay phones, and I can I could walk to the dorm at Fresno State where I called my stepdad and mom on the pay phone, crying my eyes out, <laughs> bawling my eyes out. Come get me right now! You need to come get me. This is hell. I can't do this. I think everybody's yes. been there. Yes. So go through that one day, my. You know, our quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, Ricky Bustle, kept me after practice, and he was, he was like, look at me. Look me in my eyes. You can do this. One day you'll be able to do this. I'm talking about that day. I think I had four interceptions. <laughs> I'm dropping back. 
I ain't reading. I'm looking at people. I'm just picking the target. You know you can't play like this, Trent. I'm just about, about to drop back and throw it to the dig. <laughs> but you throw it right into a, a dropping inside linebacker or a, a dropping out. You know, you, you're throwing it into traffic. Yep. Right? And I'm like, man, this is going to be tough. But Coach say, just come to the meetings, travel with the team. You're not going to spend the weekends in the dorm with the regular, the rest of the freshmen. You're going to travel with the team. I'm like, okay, Coach, I travel. I'm traveling. You're getting the test before the games. I'm bombing the test. I'm really not paying attention, but I'm trying. You know, it's just not clicking. And it's another interesting story. I keep coming to the meetings, you know, coming in early, watching scout team. I'm just kind of going through the motions. And, you know, September goes by, October goes by. It's like the end of November. And I always sat in the front. Al Clark in the back, Nick Sorensen in the back, Dave Meyer, he was a junior. You know, so we're surrounded by all these older guys. And, you know, I'm sitting there just looking at the film. And it clicked too high. Worked down the middle, middle reads. You know, can't throw the out route, square outs, you know, single safety routes. And you can't throw any of that. You know, single safe, single high safety, okay, that was the time to throw your outs and your comebacks and your go routes. And, you know, you check it down from there. And I'm like, I'm watching a trend. I think I was watching Tim Hasselback. And I'm like, seeing him just, like, work the field. This is kind of beautiful, but I don't really trust this. I got to go on a scout team today and see if what my eyes seen on, on tape reigns true. And I go to practice, and it does, Trent. So, But I'm running a scout team offense, so I'm running another team's offense, and I'm like, if it's an out route, I'm taking out versus single safety. It's a, if it's cover two, I'm hitting the middle read, or I'm working you know, a basic cross that might have converted from – you know, a middle read to just a a, 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 a ten yard end cut. So I'm like, man, hold on. So I went scout team player of the week. I'm like, whoa. The very next week, I went scout team player of the week, and I'm getting this comfort level. And I'm like, I trust this. Now I got to learn our offense. So my freshman year, I go from not understanding football in August to by the December 1st, having to understand and win a scout team player of the week, knowing how to read defenses now. But now I just got to piece together our offense with what I've learned on defense. And I got a battle in this, the spring upcoming with the junior, Dave Meyer, who played and was really good. So I know I had my work cut out for me. And, you know, that January, February time off after the bowl game, I went home. I had my family quiz me. I had my girlfriend at the time quiz me. On, on you know the offense and how to learn it. I mean, what, what am I seeing? What, what? Just talking through things with my brother and and just having them ask me a lot of questions. Went into that spring so confident. After I learned the system mentally, I had two months, and uh, after two weeks, I was number one on the depth chart. And we we started our equal, and uh, after two weeks, I was number one on the depth chart. Did some amazing things, threw the ball well. I was very efficient. I pulled it down and tucked it. I didn't turn it over. And, uh, you know, I made less mistakes than, than the junior. And um, I proved to everybody that I could play the position. And this is another story I'd like to tell, too. You know, it's another moment in my life where I felt like, you know, I was challenged and I, and I, I rose to the challenge, met the challenge, and won. Uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Mike Gentry, 
uh, came to me my freshman year. I said, always play around in the weight room. I'm going to keep this short. Always play around, not taking it serious. You know, I don't really like what we're doing now, football anyway. He came to me. He said, Michael, I'm not sure if you can run the option the right way. Because, I mean, he, he's, he, he's observed me every day. I'm, you know, highly recruited. And, you know, I'm supposed to be the guy, but I'm not acting as if I'm a young leader, playing around, got everybody laughing, joking. That's not even me. Yeah, he came to me, he told me that, and I was like, what was that supposed to mean? I took that as not insulting. I was like, I feel like in a way I got to prove him wrong. And after I won the job in the spring, like I matured so much just in that, in that, in that period of time from August to December. I started taking strength and conditioning serious, off-season workouts, winter workouts, took it extremely serious. I didn't play in the weight room. It was about winning that starting job. It was about business. And, and Trent, at the, like the middle of the spring, might have been even before I got the job or awarded the job, Mike Gentry, one of my favorite and dear friends to this day, came to me and said, Mike, I'm so proud of you. And in that moment, I mean, I'm talking like I melted. I was like, man, Coach Gentry like me now. I'm doing my thing on the field. I understand what this whole college football thing is all about. And now I just got to do it in the real time action because everything was against us. You know, so I'm like, so that's the spring. And then the fall was upcoming. So I'm like, all right, here's the challenge. I, I got it here. I got it internally in the building. Now let's go make it happen. And I want to get to that. I want to talk as much as you want about that retro fresh mirror. It's pretty historic and amazing yeah. things happen. But I want I want to reset here for a sec because you said so many great things in the midst of your storytelling about your maturity. Yeah. And for all you young quarterbacks that are listening, this is you're listening, Michael Vick, one of the greatest athletes that's ever played the position of quarterback. And very rarely did he talk about being an athlete. He talked about being an academic. He talked about being a student of the game. He talked about seeing the pictures in his head and taking them from film onto the field and taking, uh, integrating what he was learning into his own playbook and um, the attacking the weight room and, and the seriousness that went in his preparation. And I think it's an important thing, Michael, because as I've traveled around the country for the last 15 years now, looking at high school quarterbacks, so many of them think they can just be an athlete. They can now athlete yeah. you. And right. here's one of the you, one of the greatest athletes ever played the position, and you didn't mention becoming a better athlete. Go run around more in practice. Right. Go tuck it more in practice. Go run the option better in practice. You talked about learning one high, two high, middle field safe, and middle field conversions, out cuts, reading yeah. them outside in, inside out, protections, right. yada, yada, yada. So young quarterbacks, please understand, this is an academic game. No matter how great of an athlete you are, you have to get the academic part down first. And, and Michael just yes. told a beautiful example of that. Yeah, Trent, you're right. And I, I mean, I don't have to elaborate, but the mental part of the game is most important. I knew what I could do. I learned and I couldn't just do what I wanted to do when I got to college. And I was like, I'm probably more talented than, every, talented than everybody out here. So when the ball is snapped, I'm going to just take off and run. You know what I yeah. did? Ran right into the back of an offensive line, and I was like, oh, this ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. I need a new strategy. All right, let's get into that first year starting. Uh, yeah. uh, take me however you want. Are there any memorable moments? I'll kind of tell everybody. You won an 11-0. You get yeah. to the national championship game. Uh, you end up being invited to the Heisman that year. But to, as you went down that road, any, any stories that stick out to you and experiences people could learn from? 
Yeah, well, I remember running onto the field. Uh, my first play ever as a Virginia Tech Hokie and playing against James Madison. And I, as I was running out onto the field, it still gives me chills to this day. I'll never forget. I looked up into the sky and I said, God, this is it. My next, this journey that I'm about to embark on is going to be filled with success, hopefully. And, and, uh, you know, if it all goes well, I accomplished that dream of playing in the pros, but this is it. I'm headed to the huddle. And I got to the huddle, and the first play was a pass play. And I don't know why Coach called a pass play first play because he called like it was an all-go concept. I'm like, I'm not throwing a go route the first play of the game. <laughs> I checked it down to the back, and I threw it in the flat, threw it in the flat, and threw it in the dirt. And he was wide open. I'm like, all right, that's a good start. <laughs> like, that was an amazing start. So, like, okay, all right, play two. Coach calls a draw. I'm going to calm you down. Cause a draw, take it 65 yards to the house. Let's go. I'm like, yo, that was that was pretty easy, but <laughs> you know, I still don't trust this whole thing. I gotta continue to do it. Our next drive, we drive down the field. I score again on like an option to the left. We called it Jaguar. I ran a speed option and I cut it up and I scored it. Then soon possession, you know, get the ball back. And I hit Ricky Hall on like a 60-yard touchdown. And I'm like, man, this is going great. Going into half, we lead a two-minute drive, boom, 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 down in the red zone. I run, run another one in, but this when I go in, I'm feeling myself a little bit. I go over the top, and I'm playing with a lot of confidence. I come down, and I sprain my ankle. Now I'm out. I'm out. Ooh. It's, it's over. It, it ended. So it was a great run, great first half. And then I'm out for the second half, and I can't play the next week. I'm nursing myself to get back. And then a third game was just a primetime Thursday night game with Clemson, they ranked 11 in the country, ranked like 10, bad ankle. And uh, I found a way to win the game, i say that. It uh, wasn't pretty. I threw three picks in that game. And the most amazing part about the game, and this one I knew I was ready for the run, um, up and down game, I made some good plays, you know, threw three picks, you know, just trying some stuff. But I knew why I didn't throw them. And that, that was the cool part, of, the coolest part about throwing those three picks. I understood why. And so it's third and 10. It's about four minutes left. We up 14 to 11, but they got some momentum. And, and, and they, 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 they own like this charge. You can feel like the, the energy, you know, just shifting in Clemson's favor. So third and 10. Coach Carr, I can't remember the play. I think he might have called. You know what? I think he might have called an all-go concept. Um, All-go, man, how vanilla it was. We were still like in um, – and, and we, we we spread it out. But we were still in like uh, like pro personnel. Yeah. Two two backs, yeah. tight end, two receivers. Yeah. Like third and ten, like what are we doing? <laughs> we should at least be in Queens, three receivers, maybe two backs, three receivers, right? Yep. And, um, you know, this is what he believed in. Concept, honestly, I ended up versus single high. I ended up the the, the tight end had a, a broken arrow versus two high. But versus single high, he kind of broke it off, you know, went 10 and broke it off. And, yeah. you know, I visualized what was going on. I, you know, understood what, like, what the defense was doing. But I found him in like a crease, man. And, and I hit him. Hit him in stride, and he like split the defenders. He split the the Mike in and and the strong side linebacker, and wasn't supposed to make that throw at all. It wasn't. It was outside of what the read, you know, 
suggest, you know, tells me where to go. And I make this incredible throw against a single high with a Mike linebacker and a, and a backer, you know, in between those guys. And I never forget it. So it kind of sealed the game. We ran a clock out from there and uh, we won the game. And my coach told me the next day, he said, a quarterback who threw three picks that was rattled, uncomfortable, or did not want to finish that game with, and discouraged, wouldn't have been able to make that throw. Sam, I'm so proud of you, son, because, you know, in, in facing adversity, you hung in there and it was it was beautiful. Like, I, I was so proud of that that play. And from there, we just steamrolled everybody. And man, I, I mean, when I say steamrolled them, I just got confidence each and every week. The guys was blocking, tackling, catching, play good on both sides of the ball, all three phases. And we look up and we playing Boston College for a chance to go to the national championship and find memories. I'll never forget, Trent, I'll tell you that. That's awesome. Now, tell me this. I never got to play a national championship. Uh, and and for context, because Florida State's kind of fallen off the map, but when you played in the yeah. Natty, that's when Florida State every year was top three. I think Bobby Bowden had some incredible oh, yeah. streak of being in the top three for most consecutive years. All of us as kids grew up wanting to go to a Florida State. Uh, right. Peter Tom Willis, Brad Johnson, Casey Weldon, Charlie Ward. Yep. Like they just had dude at quarterback year after year after year. Um, yep. So I'm sure you were the same way. You mentioned Danny Cannell. You mentioned some Danny of the Florida State quarterbacks you looked up to. Yeah. So going to the national championship game, did you have nerves or you were you just so oh. supremely confident because you had been on fire for the whole year? Yeah, I was super confident, but I knew we was playing against Florida State. And it was some level of intimidation because, you know, they just had so many guys who you just know was going to play on the next level. And it was faster than everybody else. And it was more talented and gifted. And they did a lot of chirping, you know, up to the week prior. And Chris Winkie was an older quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, he's more, he's mature beyond his years. And, you know, I'm up against this guy. So I got kind of got caught up in the, you know, just the bright lights of everything. And, you know, all the way up until I stepped on the field, I was, I wasn't nervous when the kickoff started. I couldn't, I couldn't hear anything. It was so electric. I remember having a headache the first drive, blocking out signals. And I'm like, you know, it takes a while to get over that you're playing in a national championship and it's not a, a, a normal game. It's not a regular season game. You got their crowd, your crowd, and it's just, it's just nonstop action, man. And uh, we got, we got down early and we had we fought our way back into it. You just wasn't mature enough to pull it out. You know, we had some guys that was going to the pros a couple years in the next couple years. So they was uh they was playing a little conservative and trying not to hurt their chances. So you no, know, understood. You know, I, I totally understood the circumstances later, but in the moment, you know, I felt like we could have beat Florida State that day. I'll never forget where I was is when I got introduced to you. I was with John Lynch. We were teammates together and we're at his house and we we're watching the game. And I hadn't seen you play that. I didn't watch a lot of college football that year, so I didn't really right. know much about you. And uh, we watched that game and, you know, big party, a lot of people, our wives, kids running around. And I remember John and I just sitting down in awe watching you play in that game, <laughs> saying, is this where the NFL's going? And John's like, I don't want to tackle, right. I don't want to tackle him. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. So <laughs> I was, you know, I think a lot of people, that was the game. And a lot of people had seen you play that year. But I think yeah. that was the game that put you on everybody's radars. Yeah. Uh oh, this this kid's coming to the NFL, and, and the NFL is about to change. Um, let's go to our second break. When we get back, uh, we'll talk to Michael about his pre-draft process. 
uh, and his NFL career and what he's doing now to influence the next generation of quarterbacks. We'll be right back. Beyond the X's and O's is brought to you by State Farm. Just like State Farm offers surprisingly great rates for your car insurance, I want to share with you a surprisingly great moment from my career. It actually goes back to training camp of 2000, my first year at the Baltimore Ravens, my only year at the Baltimore Ravens. Brandon Stokely was a young receiver trying to make the team. He was going to get cut. Brandon and I had developed a really nice rapport in training camp, as had the other quarterbacks. I went into the front office and the, and the coaching staff and really fought hard to keep them. And I developed a respect from the coaching staff and the front office. So they listened. I said, listen, this kid can bring us something we don't have. Uh, he's a guy that can play inside in the slot. He's a long strider. He can get open versus tight coverage. He can read zones. He's going to be a monster on third down in the red zone. Well, sure enough, they keep him. And Brandon Stokely catches the first touchdown in Super Bowl 35 from yours truly. And that's why I love the journey of the quarterback. There's so many surprisingly great lessons to be learned from this unique position. And remember, whether you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback or an armchair QB relaxing happily at home, State Farm provides coverage that meets your needs at a price that fits your budget. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back with Michael Vick. Um, please go back. You know, YouTube has everything, I guess. Go back and watch some of Michael's college games. Your, oh my God! Your jaw will drop. You will. Uh, you'll be amazed by what you see. And so is the NFL. So a lot of yeah. chatter around Michael. He's getting ready to come out in the NFL. Talk to me, Mike, about your pre-draft process. Because now, right now, you're covering it. I covered it. I mean, it's the biggest thing that goes on. You got, you know, docu series on kids getting ready for the draft. What was yours like? Well, my process was, it was simple. I knew I was going to San Diego and they was like beating down the door. Mike, we want you, you come in here. I took a visit to San Diego and everything was about San Diego until the night of the draft. About 10 o'clock, I'm sitting in my room with all my buddies and family and I get a call from my agent, you know, saying that you might get traded to Atlanta. And I'm like, what? I, I was just house hunting in San Diego last week. Like, how is this possible? Like they said they wanted me I'm like, all right, let me digest this. Instantly, I'm thinking, now my family can truly come see me play. You know, because Virginia and Georgia, you know, you're talking an hour and a half flight. And decent prices. San Diego, cross country. Like, my family's never going to get a chance to see me play. You know, just so through that process, you know, I try to digest all that. And I'm thinking about that. That's like having, I'm having a psychological, you know, effect is having a psychological effect on me because I'm like, you know, I really want my mom to be there. You know, she's always there. But when I got that, found out about the trade, I was like, look, this is the best thing that could happen. We all digested it. And uh, I'm like, I'm I'm ready for this. You know, so leading up to that, you know, it was about training. Training wasn't as extensive back then, maybe for me as it is now, because guys, they they train so hard in the offseason to get ready. Uh, for their pro days and and get ready for the draft and everything. And, you know, I kind of laugh because, you know, I never forget I, I had a pro day. My pro day, I didn't throw for three months. Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you got to rest your body, get ready for the draft. I go into my pro day, I didn't throw for three months, and I completed uh, 60 out of 60 passes. Oh, wow. And split a guy's finger <laughs> – like that's something I'd never seen before. So I was just so ready to 
you get drafted. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening to me. The whole time, you know, I just had, you know, have all these, you know, just memories of everything I went through as a kid, everything I wanted as a, as a professional. I'm like, this is really my time. So I'm like soaking it all in too, man. And uh, San Diego beating down my door. And like I said, I get traded the night before. And the next day, draft day, when I walked across that stage, a whole different set of expectations arose. But I was like, thank God I'm here. Now, I wish I wouldn't have known where I was going. I wanted the element of surprise in the draft room. You don't know when you're going to get drafted. You don't know if you're going to go number one. You don't, you know, the whole draft process. So it was kind of ruined by knowing where I was going, but so appreciated, I will say that. Wow. I want to talk. I'm I'm going to comment on your NFL career. Then I'm going to let you take us anywhere you want to go. And I, I say this to the audience all the time. If you want to know the nitty-gritty and the stats and all that stuff about Michael's career, it's easy to look up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I want you to understand what it was like, Michael Vick's impact on the NFL when he came into the NFL. Right now, you're seeing a lot of what you're seeing with a lot of these quarterbacks that don't have to be 6'3". Um, that can be dual threats that um, got chances at smaller colleges, not smaller colleges, but didn't have to go to one of the premier logos in order to get drafted. A lot of that's yep. going on because of Michael Vick. So when I say pioneer, Steve Young was probably the first one. Is that fair to yeah. say, Michael? Yes, that's fair. And then you, as kind of one of these six-foot-ish quarterbacks that could do everything well uh, and had massive horsepower, you really pioneered the next generation of quarterbacking. A lot of these guys watched you and now made it because they had somebody to look up to. So I want the audience to understand that. The other thing I want the audience to understand, and I'll let you comment on this as much as you want, you weren't doing it with these offenses you're seeing these guys do it with now. So – we were in an era playing, ladies and gentlemen, where there wasn't a ton of zone read. There wasn't a ton of spread offense. They didn't cater the position around the athletic traits of the quarterback. So Michael did a lot of his damage within the system that was built for somebody that didn't have his athleticism. So just imagine what Michael Vick would have done uh, if he had an offense tailor, tailor made for him uh, a la – uh, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Can you imagine what you would have done in that offense? Mm. Oh, man. I'm sure you watch right. it every week and, and just oh, go, man. oh, my gosh. I remember sitting with Steve Young at Monday night games, and he would see all this new offense come in. He'd be like, I don't understand this, Trent. Why couldn't they have done this when I played? Like, right. <laughs> he would just get so frustrated because, like, I, I had to go do it on my like, quarterback draw was some right. wild and crazy right. thing back, yeah. back then. Or, or, or out of a 322 scat wide stick slop, you got to – Find a crease. Yep. You got to read it and then find a crease. Uh, you know, just a different era. Yep. Just got to credit Dan Reeves for drafting me and saying pretty much, I'm going to use your skill set. So back then I might have had maybe one draw in the game plan. I might have had like two quarterback sweeps in the game plan. And then as we evolved, he started putting in like a, a quarterback draw. So we'd line up in another pro set, right? You know, just say we was in right formation, tight end right, two backs in the eye, two receivers, and and we'll we'll just go play action like we call a fire four, and 
five four QB draw. Yep. And, and send the send the fullback and and the halfback in the they take care of the mic and the, and the sound. Yep. And I had to come right behind them. You know, and it was sometimes it was it was Bob Christensen, my man Bob Christensen, and then uh, the work done. Or yep. TJ Duckett would be leading up in there. And so those was my three design runs that we had to pick and choose our spots out of to, to do it. And, you know, that, that's all we had. Everything else came out of the system. And like you say, Steve mentioned, you know, why – couldn't things be the way, you know, when when I play, how, why they couldn't be this way, the way they're doing it now? And I, I say the same thing. Like, if I played in the offense, like what the Baltimore Raiders had built for Lamar, it would be a totally different ball game. Out of you know, my records would be probably through the roof, but th- that's just generations and time and era. And you see, it's great to see the game evolve. Like, it's great to see coaches pick it up and gravitate to it. And you you don't have to be, you know, six feet or, you know, 210 pounds and elusive. I feel like anybody could do it. You know, just just be willing to run just a little bit because ultimately I, I was more so about, you know, my style wasn't accepted. No, I won't say it wasn't accepted. It was like it was different. So it wasn't it was understood. Like, you know, I would say it, yeah, it, it wasn't was, understood. Yeah, it, was just, it wasn't understood. Right. Correct. And I'm like, this is all I know. You know, this is my way of doing it. This is how I move the chains. And I always thought just moving the chains, pulling it down and running, showed a little toughness to my teammates. Like, I'm willing to go the extra mile. You know, and I hope you look at me and kind of feed off, you know, what I'm doing. And I'm trying to lead by example. Um, so I, it encouraged me to continue to play that way, not thinking of it as a way to change the game or making the game look different. It was just productive. And I think coaches over time was like, look, man, we just want productivity however it comes. It don't matter what you look like, black, white, and different. No matter how big you are, big, tall, small, come on. Just be a game, be a difference maker. And uh, that's what's so cool about it, man. Now you're looking at across the league, you got Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert poured it down a couple of times up and at him like, that a boy. Let's go. You know, move the chains. And, you know, Kyler and you know, obviously Cam coming back, Russell Wilson still, Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for years. Move the chains, Big Ben. Like, we, we we in the league of our own when it comes to being mobile quarterbacks. And obviously Lamar, you know, we just, uh, we, we trended, the quarterback position is trending in the right direction. But then I say this, then I love seeing Mac Jones. I was, look, I, I'm a quarterback through and through just like you. We love the quarterback position and we marvel at it. But, man, I would have done anything to be able to sit back like Peyton all day or throw it like Drew or throw it like Aaron or John, man. So the quarterback is so unique, so cool. It's however you want to do it, just move the chains. You know the quickest they, they uh, the quickest way to not be a quarterback is to not be productive. And, uh, you know, everything that's been created, you know, from a dual threat perspective, pocket passing perspective, has just been through coaches and players to make the game better. Mm-hmm. You handled that great. I'm bitter that, that you didn't get to play in this stuff <laughs> because you, Ooh, you would have thrown – I'm watching these guys. These guys are trending to be Hall of Famers, so Russell's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yes. Mahomes most likely end up being a Hall of Famer if he yep. puts three, three to four more years at this. Yep. Lamar's trending that way. You can see Josh Allen, Herbert, these guys having 10, 12-year oh, dual-threat careers, even though they're 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, um, yep. These guys are putting up numbers that you, you just you, – your jaw drops. 
you would have done, you would have been the first one to do it all. Like people don't mm -hmm. understand. And that's why I want every young person to go back. If you don't understand right. how good Michael Vick was, go watch some YouTube stuff, go, go research him because he was all this stuff before it's this stuff. I don't know how else to yeah. say it. I say this about Mahomes. Everybody drops their jaw at Mahomes. I go, bro, I watched this live and in person uh, with Brett Favre from 93 yes. to 94 to 99. I got to see it twice yep. a year, sometimes three times a year. Everything Mahomes is doing, Brett did first. Everything yep. Lamar's yes. doing, Michael did first. Everything yep. Kyler Murray's doing, Michael did first. So uh, yep. I'm just bragging on you because you, you're too humble to do it. But I, I sure wish I would have had the chance to watch you play in some of these offenses. Let, let me spend a, send a special shout out uh, and, and rest in peace to a great friend of mine, Greg Knapp. Yes. Knapp Greg Knapp. Napa. Napa in in 2006 came to me. He's called me Super. Say Super, I'm looking to do something different. I'm gonna go spend some time with some colleges. And Greg came back with that zone read. Yep. And we started running that zone read. We gave the Bucks fits that year. Yep. I'm talking about. I think John was on that team. I'm not sure if he had moved on. Six. I don't remember if he was still in Tampa or if he had gone to I Denver I don't think yet. he was still in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I think he had went to Denver. But yeah, I mean, it's, we caught a lot of teams off guard with it. Ran for a 1,000 yards that year. And then Greg Knapp introduced the zone read to the National Football League. And I think he should get a lot of credit for that. I agree. And he did it as a pioneer because it wasn't cool. I, yeah. I remember vividly us mocking it. You know what I mean? Like us really? being the NFL group going, oh, that will never work. Oh, yeah. that's not sustainable. Right. I remember when Colin Kaepernick started lighting up, lighting it up with the 49ers and I was at ESPN and all the old curmudgeons would say, oh, that's not going to work. And Parcells, this is going to get blown up. And Belichick's going to kill this. And I'm like, yeah. you wait and see. I'm like, you guys, you yeah. old curmudgeons say anything you want. This is yeah. here to stay and it's only going to get better. Um, only going to get better. It's only going to get better. So uh, that's not going away. Just because the bodies are bigger and faster and all that stuff, uh, the, the quarterback-driven run game is the single greatest addition to football in the last 30 years because yep. it's opened up everything else, and it's made right. defenses have to play. It's made them have to play 11-on-11 11 11 when forever, forever they played 11-on-10. Absolutely. You got to cover all ground. Yep. All right. Let's finish up your NFL career because I really want to get into what you're doing now. Uh, it's so awesome. But if you had, and this is a brutal question, but take your entire NFL career, take this anywhere you want. Is there one lesson you learn more than anything else? Is there one piece of advice you want to share with people? Is there one thing? Yeah. What's the one thing that means more than any other thing that came out of your NFL career? The hard work pays off. Hmm. The years I trained extremely hard was the years I had my best seasons. Uh, 2004, 2006, 2010, um, 2013, I had a battle, but I got with Nick Foles and I ended up injuring my, but those are the off seasons where I could vividly remember working harder than I ever worked before. 2011, we hit the lockout. Everything was, it was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know when we was coming back. I sat around, played golf all summer. I shortchanged myself. I came in, got injured. Every the first five games of the season, I got hurt in every single game. And I just started to realize there was no substitute for hard work. And I if I had the chance to go out, go back and do it all over again, you know, from 
January up until the time we started OTAs, I'd have been training with a trainer and eating right and had a nutritionist and did things different. I would have at least played another two to three years just because I kept my body in tip top shape and because my mind was into the game uh, more so than your body. Because Trent, you know this, and I know you probably explained it to quarterbacks all across the country. When mentally you are capable, the physical will take care of itself. And once you learn the game of football and you, you put your mind into what this offense can become, then all you got to do is just go out and make it happen. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not it's really not a physical game. You know, it becomes physical when you get hit. It becomes physical when you break containment. It becomes physical when you try to run a guy over. But for the most part, man, this is it's, it's delicate to the mind, man. You just got to be all in mentally and prepare in the offseason, prepare during the week. Go hard, put that time and work in because it makes the game so much easier for you. Amen. Hey, great advice. My wife still makes fun of me that I I would have had a much better career if I would have taken the off season more serious. So you're, you're so you're so right. <laughs> but on that, that was a different era. That was a different era for us, Trent. It was. Tell me this. Uh, this is a fun one. But Steve Young was on the show and we asked him this question, and he had a great answer. Where have all the lefty QBs gone? Oh my God. There, there's none. Man, like there there's none. None. So every time I see Thor, th- every, I'm sorry. Every time I see Thor throw the football, yep. I'm like, it, it just looked different to me. <laughs> and I'm just like, hold on, man. This this is just where are all the lefties, man? It's usually at least two in in, in the league every year. Two guys. Yeah. I mean, right now I just know Thor, and I've seen a, a left-handed quarterback at UVA. Yes, I like him a lot. Uh, I yeah. like him. He yeah, just got hurt, but I Brennan. like Bre- uh, yeah, Brennan Armstrong. That kid yeah. is a baller. So, but when he threw it, I'm like, uh, no disrespect. But I'm, so they probably thought the same thing about me. Yeah. And and I, when I looked at Steve, Thor, Steve was he was a thing of beauty. So it looked different. But yeah, man, he, just not too many of us left. You and Steve need to like start a website, you know, lefty, show up and play QB <laughs> or something. Only, yeah. Branded. Yeah. Yeah, I think we get discouraged early. <laughs> All right, let's finish with this. You've been so awesome and so gracious with your time, but you're doing something really cool. You've developed a dual threat QB system to help young QBs. Um, yeah. Instead of me talking about it, it's not mine. You talk about yeah. it. Tell me why you did it, the impact it's having, and just the passion behind it. Yeah, well, I got an opportunity, um, you know, through pro class, you know, to to explain some of the things that I did in my career that made me successful, uh, whether it was in training or whether it was a the dual threat system. And, you know, obviously they wanted to know what it meant and how do you execute it. And, you know, we broke it down in steps. You know, what am I looking for? You know, when, when you know, off the zone read, what am I looking for off the fake? You know, the shoulders of the defensive end, is he square? Is he coming down? Is he coming down the line of scrimmage? No, simple things to look for and run a lot of camps and kids always ask, Mike, how do you, how did you run a fast 40? How did, you know, how did you train? And, you know, so we want to add that element to it. But most importantly, I tell guys, you know, if you want to become a dual threat, you know, you just got to have heart, you know, and you, you got to work at it in terms of, you know, the throwing ability and you got to strengthen your legs to make sure that you have durability. Um, so, you know, simple steps, obviously want to take it, continue to take it a step further in terms of teaching and training and, you know, just wanted to be something where kids can go to to build 40 times and, you know, get faster. It's not 
just strictly solely for the quarterback because, you know, it's a very unique position and everybody can't play quarterback. So, you know, in terms of building speed, you got linebackers, defensive backs, you got defensive ends, you got, you know, running backs, receivers, everybody want to be faster. So a lot of training tips on how to build your speed and, you know, if you're a quarterback, how to become that ultimate dual threat. Oh, that's incredible. Lastly, there's got to be anytime you achieve the level of success that you have, there's got to be a lot of people along the way that helped you. Um, yeah. Immediate family, tribe members, as I call them, right? People that are in your tribe, mentors. Um, use your last bit of time here just to tell me, tell the audience, who were those people in your life? Yeah, well, it's, it's a couple of people. I, I started with my high school coach. Um, first, you know, let me take a step back. I started with my mom. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, just her, her work ethic and how hard, you know, she, uh, you know, tried to make us happy. And, you know, out of four kids, I was like, you know, the spoiled kid out of the bunch. Um, I don't know how, um, but if I didn't get my way, I would always throw a fit. So me and her feuded a lot. Um, and, you know, but she always told me she knew I would amount to something. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be in the FBI. So whether it was an FBI agent or whether it was a professional football player, uh, she always had a profound effect on my life. And then my high school coach uh, coming in my freshman year uh, when I didn't have a father figure in my life and kind of teaching me um, what it was like to, to grow into a young man. And uh, from a freshman to my senior year, he seen me go through heartbreaks on the field and heartbreaks off the field with girlfriends and things of that nature. And, I'm thankful he was there to be able to bounce things off of and, you know, just share my thoughts with to get, you know, creditable feedback. And, you know, once I got to college, it was um, Bradley Bustle, uh, Coach, I'm sorry, Ricky Bustle um, and, you know, Frank Beamer, who the door was always open. Coach Beamer was like a dad. Um, I, I could always go to him and coach him. This is going on and this is going on. And he, he gave me just proper advice. and. You know, Dan Reeves was amazing in my life. Jim Moore was amazing in my life. I, obviously, Andy Reid. And then you know, I take this time out to get credit to Tony Dungy, um, you know, Roz Goodell, you know, people I still stay in contact with to this day. And I always feel like I, I owe it to them, man, in a lot of ways, because uh, one, they always watching, always in crying about, you know, how I'm doing and how my family's doing. And they, they really, those people I just named, they really care about me genuinely. And they care about me as a as a person, you know, not as a football player, not as a, a sports analyst. Um, you know, it's more so about Michael Vick, the the person. And I appreciate that more than anything. So those people have been very instrumental in my life, Trent. That's so cool. Well, football and those people gave you a lot, but you've given the game of football a lot, Michael. So, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Head. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we got to do this again. I'm going to launch a new series. Absolutely. We're going to do like a series with quarterbacks talking about best practical jokes in training camp or oh my God. grossest offensive lineman story. Or something like that. So I'm gonna hit you up for a 15 minute on on some of the vignettes from your career and some of the funny uh, things that take place. So um, thanks um, for joining us, Michael. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Trent. Wow, what a great conversation with Michael Vick. Uh, thank you for his time and his insight, and thank you to our great friends at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go to statefarm.com to get a quote today.